Hi, I'm Dee Dee Bass Wilbon. And I'm Dina Bass Williams. And we are the, the Bass, Bass Sisters. Sisters. Hello, everyone, and happy, happy Tuesday. We are so excited. We have a great interview coming up with Jennifer Strahan. She is a candidate for Congress in Georgia, and we're really looking forward to it. Yes. And um, also, we have some things coming up on the calendar this week. If you're interested in learning about the creative economy or mm -hmm. talking about the creative economy, check out the link in this um, show description. We are having a conversation um, through po the policy circle about the creative economy. So we'd love for you to join us for that. That will be an amazing conversation. So you don't want to miss yes. it. If you are an artist, a writer, a painter, um, any sculptor, yeah. anyone who is involved in the creative arts, we are talking about how to, how to the, you know, just um, who should support the creative economy. And what else is coming up? Also, don't forget, if you have not purchased your copy of Prayer and Pound Cake, get your copy now. It is a wonderful read. It is very inspirational. It's fun. And uh, I think you'll enjoy it. We think you'll enjoy it. Yes. And that link will also be in the show notes. And finally, um, if you are interested in working on Capitol Hill or mm -hmm. in the Washington, D.C. area on K Street or at one of the conservative advocacy groups, please send us your resume. We have a resume bank. It's um, free to add your resume to the resume bank. We get called often uh, by offices on the Hill looking for diverse staff. So if you or someone you know, if you think that you would add... Um, you know, a new perspective to what's happening in your nation's capital, make sure that you submit your resume to our resume bank. Yes, please do so. And so that's that's it for the for the pound cake. Now let's get oh, to- Oh, but real quick also, we have been enjoying some pound cake this week, you guys, because oh, yes. our mama is in town. Yay! We have so, been eating lots of pound cake. We have. We've been eating it in moderation. You've been eating it in moderation. I'm not even going to pretend that I've been eating it in moderation. I've been eating it. <laughs> All right, you guys. So here we are um, with the interview, Jennifer Strahan. Well, we are so excited to have you with us this morning, Jennifer Strahan. It is a pleasure to see you. Um, Dean and I were really, really excited to have the opportunity to meet you in NOLA at the Women's Public Leadership Network's inaugural summit. That was absolutely, that was a lot of fun. Did you have a good time? Oh, it was such a blast. It was great. And thanks for having me on today. So tell us and all of our listeners and viewers, tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. So let me start by saying I'm Jennifer Strahan, as you mentioned, and I'm running for Congress in Georgia 14 in the Republican primary. And uh, my background's not in politics. So this is a new world for me. However, you know, I'm a small business owner. Actually, my husband and I are both small business owners. And we, I do a lot of work with hospitals and health systems. His industry is completely separate, but his is way more fun to get to hear about. Um, but you know, the work that I do with organizations typically is a matter of helping organizations do the things they say they want to do and do it in the most efficient, effective way possible. So great skill set to bring to Congress <laughs> for us to be able to bring that there. Um, you know, I'm also a professor. I have my doctorate in healthcare leadership. I teach at a business school in their dual MBA, MHA program, and genuinely just find that very fulfilling and rewarding to think about our future leaders. And uh, my husband and I actually met in high school. I was a freshman in high school when I met my husband, so probably every parent's nightmare. 
and then we got married in college and have been married now for over 17 years and have a little boy in kindergarten. Awesome. That is absolutely amazing. And the kindergartner, oh my goodness, that's got to keep your hands full. <laughs> oh, it's such a fun stage. So just this week, let's see, we had his, his first baseball game of the season and he, he lost his first tooth. Now I have to preface that because he has technically lost the tooth that he had to have pulled because he's a very rambunctious little boy and he fell and they had to pull it, but he lost his first real tooth, like naturally. Technically, he pulled it too, but that <laughs> counts, right? <laughs> uh, but no injuries in this one. So he's been, it was a very exciting weekend for us. Oh, it was. I'm sure it sounds like it. Well, this is a really exciting time for you and your entire family. How did you decide, how did you make the decision to actually put your hat in the ring to run for office? You know, I think a lot of it stems from the fact that obviously I have my little boy. You know, I grew up in um, a family that was just, we had a very strong deference to our country. Both my grandfathers were in the military, my brothers are Marine. I mean, we grew up with such a love for this country. And then I look at my little boy who is in kindergarten, and I think about the fact that the country he's going to know and love and the country that I know and love are really diverging on two different paths with the direction, in my opinion, that we're seeing very progressive policy push forward. And there are too many serious issues today to not get involved, to not have a serious representative who is ready to step up, have the tough conversations, and really fight to bring value back to not only our districts, but in our state with Georgia, but obviously that, you know, nationally. These, these factors are huge areas when we look at inflation, supply chain. Uh, you know, I'm, my husband and I, again, we're both small business owners. We look at workforce and challenges that we face, taxes and regulations consistently going up. I mean, these are things that hurt every single community, and there's just too many important things to not step in and, and have a voice. Mm-hmm. Now, you are running to unseat Marjorie Taylor Greene, who uh, has definitely made some headlines. Mm-hmm. How do you <laughs> feel you will represent um, uh, the people of Georgia in a different way? And what about Marjorie Taylor Greene's leadership uh, troubles you most? A few things. So that's a great question. One is, I think, first and foremost, our district doesn't have a voice. Now, I want to preface that by saying this isn't about being loud, right? It's not about social media presence. It's about effectiveness. And this is a job. You're hired to do the job. And I see this as an opportunity to really step in and bring value back to people. So currently, our representative, as you may know, is not on any committees. Uh, She was stripped of her committee shortly after going into office. Now, I also want to say I actually don't agree with with either party stripping people of committees. I feel that if someone was elected in, that's up to the voters to hold them accountable and that they should work with them. But what's concerning is our current representative has expressed repeatedly that she doesn't want to be on committees and that they're useless. And I would argue that when we're in the minority, they're even that much more important because you have to be able to not only put forward legislation, but push back on some of, again, this very progressive policies that we're seeing today. And so first and foremost, I want to be, you know, obviously at the table. I want our district to be represented, to be able to push back, edit these these, uh, legislative 
um, bills and resolutions that are coming through and making sure that we can we can challenge those. And also, there are many things you can still push forward that are not a Republican or a Democrat effort. It's an American effort. I mean, there, there are policies that you can still bring forward that bring value back to people. Hmm. Very good. Very good. Well, we all know, like Dina was saying earlier, um, Marjorie Taylor Greene, she's been in the news a lot for some not so favorable things. Uh, about a week ago, she went and actually spoke at a white nationalist event. Um, and she, I think we have a clip of yeah, her actually, I'm sorry. We actually have a clip of her attend afterwards um, of her response of her response as to why she actually attended the event. Um, and let's just hear I, what. There we go. Get the airport, but I'm glad to talk to you about this. I do not know Nick Fuentes. I've never heard him speak. I've never seen a video. I don't know what his views are, so I'm not lined with anything that may be controversial. What I can tell you is I went to his event last night to address his very large following because that is a young, it's a very young following and it's a generation I'm extremely concerned about. It's a white nationalist excuse me, excuse me a minute. I'll tell you exactly why I went. I went to talk to them about America First policies and I talked to them about what's important for our country going forward. Now in regards to Russia, Putin is a murderer and he should have never invaded Ukraine. What he is doing is completely wrong. I stand with our NATO member allies, and I'm completely against this war. And, excuse me, I'm going to finish. Everything that he's doing is wrong. He's killing people over and over. So I'm staunchly against it, and I'm staunchly against Vladimir Putin and his, his invasion of Ukraine. Another thing that's extremely important for me to say is the whole reason this is happening because Joe Biden is a weak president now America is a weak country in our entire world is falling apart we're seeing war erupt, which did not happen under President Trump because we had peace through strength. So this is something that we've got to really focus on. I'm appalled at our country for putting America last this way, making us depend on China. Russia and foreign countries for our critical supplies and our energy. Excuse me. I don't know what his views are. I've never I do not endorse those views. The reason why I went was to talk to the audience, just like I've talked to many different audiences. I've talked to Democrat union workers earlier this week. I've talked here at CPAC. I talked to his people who were there. It wasn't an alignment. It was to talk about getting everyone together to save our country. And I think that's what I asked. Why did you take the audience there's a link to a video full video of marjorie taylor green we don't want to cut her off if, if she feels like she's been cut off on that interview right but so but we don't we agree with her policies um but in regards with to some of her with some of her policies not all of them but with her attending a white nationalist event there were thousands of young people there and she, in her response, part of her response, I think she 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 was saying that she went there to tell them that America that America's first and and what she supports. How do you think she could reach those same individuals without actually attending that event? Well, and, she, and should she have attended the event at all? Period. She said that she went to CPAC. She went to other events to to speak to those to those supporters. 
Shishi, right. I've even walked in to attend this event. I think at the very end of that, one of the gentlemen said, you know, by her attending, it was showing and it was a sign of support. But she was saying she didn't support their views, but she actually did attend. She was physically there. So how could she have reached those thousands of young people and still got her message to them without actually physically being at that event? Right. So I can't speak to her intentions behind why she went to that event. I can say that it's, you know, incredibly disappointing, in my opinion, although not surprising, right? She has shown us time and time again that she wants to be a celebrity. She's not there to serve. And so in many of that ways, it means that she's going to take the speaking engagement. She's going to show up where she can. And, you know, as a leader, you are held to a higher standard. That's just the way leadership works. It's part of it. And that's when you step into an office as a public servant, I believe you are held to that standard. So for those of for those in the maybe the audience who are not familiar with this, this conference, it's an alternative conference that was started, I think, three years ago in lieu of CPAC. Um, and, you know, there are many ways you can connect with people across the board. Obviously, we have um, excellent resources with social media. She certainly has a social media presence, right? There are ways that you can still connect with an audience without being there. But there are also times that you need to stand up for what is right. So right before her introduction, they were chanting for Putin and making, you know, jokes comparing Putin to Hitler as if that's a good thing is something along those lines for the quote. I mean, these are things that were spoken in the introduction before she walked out. So you cannot say that you don't know or you're not aware of the views when you're sitting there listening. These are things where you can very clearly articulate, if that is the case, one, you can either walk out. Two, you can very clearly articulate, this is not what I stand for. Uh, and I think that's important as leaders, that you're going to be in those tough situations and you have to be able to step up and, and hold true to your values. And that's what we have not consistently seen. Mm -hmm. And so is it possible in your district to win and give white nationalists the Heisman at the same time? Does she feel like she has to court white nationalists to win in your district? I, I can't and even sure. if you do have to win to court white nationalists, should you? Right. <laughs> so let me say, no, I absolutely do not support that. And that's not who our district is. And I think that's part of the problem is that our current representative paints our district in such an unfavorable way. Mm -hmm. And the reality is she doesn't represent the majority of our district. And people, we have a very conservative district. I'm a conservative individual. You can be conservative and you don't have to sacrifice effectiveness. And that is what our district has had to sacrifice. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay, so this is a primary. You have a crowded field. Mm -hmm. Not only do you have to unseat the um, the, incumbent. the incumbent, you have to. You're challenging a number of others who are also trying to unseat the incumbent. Right. How how do you distinguish yourself from the from the pack? So a few ways. In terms of, I mean, we are running in the Republican primary, right? So there are, there's certainly overlap in our values. Uh, one of the things that I think really resonates, though, is that, again, my career has been focused on one mission-driven field, right, service-oriented field within healthcare, working across communities, working with small businesses. That Those are skill sets that translate very well into Congress. Um, and two, being able to, to recognize not only that level of effectiveness, 
but at the same time, building relationships. You know in business, I mean, this is what I'm sure your business is certainly founded on, is you have to be able to build relationships. Our mm -hmm. current representative throws as many bombs, and I would actually say more bombs on the Republican side than she does the Democrat side. Well, if that's the case, you are not going to be able to push forward legislation. You're not going to be able to get co-sponsors. You're not going to be able to have those conversations. And I, I want to be clear that just because you're having conversations with people who are different than you, believe differently than you, I mean, that's the real world, right? That's what we have to do in the real world. But that doesn't mean you're sacrificing your values. It doesn't mean you're sacrificing who you are, what you believe in. It just means you have to be able to, to have those difficult conversations. And it's important to have that. We have so many differences today. If you can't have those conversations and you can't see the different perspectives, you're not going to be able to move people in hopefully your direction. Um, it, or sometimes it might be that they're actually right on the stance. It just depends, right? It's a matter of, of knowledge and educating ourselves to fully understand things. And again, not sacrifice who you are, your values, your beliefs. That's yeah. true. That's good. We, um, and we like to talk about the marketplace of ideas and, and understanding and, and hearing from different people and different views. But we're Georgia girls. It's our home state. We love Georgia. Love Georgia. <laughs> Georgia peaches. Um, and we, even though we're not physically living there anymore, we still have family there and friends. And we want nothing but the best for Georgia. And we we uh, we identify ourselves. Like, where are you from? We've been, lived outside of Georgia for over 20 years. And we always say, so, we're from Georgia. Georgia. And they're like, <laughs> we're like, it is. That's a place. It really is. We bleed grits. <laughs> yes, totally. We believe great. Absolutely. But there are so what are the, the radical left policies that are affecting Georgia residents right now? What are those? How are you going to push back on those policies when you get to Congress? Well, one, we need to be in committees, right? You need to be able to actually be in those conversations where they're having legitimate conversations and they're not just talking to, to cameras, right? That, that's one thing. Two is you have to be able to build relationships. Uh, three, you have to be accessible to the district, right? We've had problems uh, with constituent services. I mean, I've had multiple people tell me how they have not been able to, to connect with our current representative's office. Uh, one example is recently we had a veteran who's reached out to her office 11 times and has not gotten a response. That's a problem. If you're not accessible, then that's a, that's a concern. You know, I, this is for the sake of oversimplifying. I look at your role in Congress uh, is really two primary functions. One is you are legislating, and two, you are serving your constituents through constituent services, right? Absolutely. Like yeah. Veterans and, and Medicare and Social Security services, I mean, you are their advocate, their, their liaison. And if you're not doing either of those jobs, then, then what are you doing? And that's where I think the problem is today is, again, we've lost sight of service. And that's general politics. How many times if someone tells you they're in politics, do you step back and say, wow, that's a really integrous position, right? We need to restore integrity back to the position, back to the office. That's a, that's a big reason as to why I'm running. When you are and how when you're out, everyone knows it's your mom, your wife. How are the residents, how are the, the voters responding to you and to your campaign when you're out? It's been so fun. Uh, the best part about campaigning is just connecting with people. And I love, like genuinely just love meeting with people. Um, and that's that we have such a great district. So we have a lot of pockets of amazing communities. So it's been fun to pick up on 
the different flavors of those communities that I wasn't as familiar with and then other areas that I've worked with for, you know, the last decade or for, for many years. And so being able to see a different side of things has been a blast. Um, people are very hungry for effective leadership. So back to your point earlier where you're talking about policy, it's not necessarily that people may disagree with some of the things that Representative Green said, right? The sentiment behind some of the messaging, right? I'm, again, I'm conservative, so I support Second Amendment, I support pro-life, religious freedom, freedom of speech. I mean, these are things that resonate in our district, but again, you can be conservative and not have to sacrifice effectiveness. And that's where people are recognizing and they're just hungry for change. So it's been a blessing connecting with so many people and hearing their thoughts, right? Good, bad, and ugly. And just hearing it honest and straightforward. That's one thing you guys know about Georgia. We're going to tell you like it is. <laughs> so <laughs> what's going on and uh, it's a blast. Awesome. That's good. That's good. Excellent. Well, we always end our interviews with the, the most important, important question. Um, so we, of course, love to eat pound cake when we're talking policy. What is your favorite dessert to eat when you're talking policy and politics? So I'm a chocolateaholic. So favorite dessert period for me is a hot brownie with vanilla ice cream and like lathered in fudge. <laughs> and I can talk about anything. You know, that kind of girl. Yeah, you absolutely. You're our kind of girl. We love chocolate. Yeah. We are chocolate lovers. Yeah, we're chocoholics. Yeah. Well. Yeah. yeah. Well, listen, thank you so much. We are so excited um, about everything that you're doing. We will um, be following you and would love to um, keep in touch as you uh, go along the campaign trail. Absolutely, absolutely. Thank absolutely. you so much. Thank you. Thank you both for your time. This is a blast. We qualified today, so I'm looking forward to next step. Yay! Yeah, good step. So next. very excited. Awesome. Oh, and can I just add, too, that people can listen. They can check out our website at straighthandforcongress.com if they want to learn more. Excellent. Great. Very good. Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you. Thank you both, ladies. Wow. That was a good interview. Yes. She is a strong candidate. Mm -hmm. I she think she could beat Marjorie Taylor Greene. She definitely is going to give her a run for her money. She will. It's a crowded race, but I do think that Jennifer has an opportunity to stand out on her own and to stand out in front of the crowd. Yeah, I do. It was so. But in the interview, she actually mentioned during the time when Marjorie Taylor Greene was going to address the white nationalist convention in, um, uh, participants, they were chanting Russia, Russia, Putin, Putin. Now, we don't know if Marjorie Taylor Greene actually heard them chanting that because we don't know where she was, if she was in the green room, if she was walking out. But the crowd it was a pretty large crowd, we think. And that's what they were chanting, Russia, Russia, Putin, Putin. And so um, we'll link to those remarks in the show notes. So that's it for now. Thank you for joining us. In case you missed them, you can listen to archived episodes of Policy and Pound Cake 